For those of you who don't know, my name is Louis Dangerously, and you're watching the Insider's Edge podcast. Has been paid for by the WZWA Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WZWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California in theory. Great to be with you once again. It's been a hell of a week. I had the chance to talk to Sean Oliver uh, in my previous interview. Great interview. And uh, now the very next night, I get to have another interview with somebody that I am so interested in the career of because his career isn't like other people. It, he's done so many different things that this is something I can really sink my teeth into. So without any further ado, I would love the opportunity right now to introduce the one and only, the incomparable. He's been known as Sign Guy Dudley, but I prefer to talk to him and call him Lou E. Dangerously. How are you, my friend? Buddy, you could take Joel Gertner's spot as a ring announcer <laughs> or manager or something. Well, you know, we had, an intro, man. we had Gertner on the show uh, a few weeks back and I came up with my own uh, Gertner rhyme, which he was quite impressed with. Him, so, uh, <laughs> he, he was quite thrilled with it. And, and when we go off the air, I'll, I'll read it to you. Um, but uh, <laughs> oh, Okay, that's, that's how it is. thanks for having me man thanks for having me no worries brother uh and the first question as per usual on the show lou is how did you become a wrestling fan oh i grew up around it you know i um my grandfather always watched it and he would um i guess babysit me when i was uh seven eight years old and whatnot and i remember very well um i just told the story to somebody actually i was i was sitting in his living room on the floor and I looked at the TV screen. There was just there's these guys wrestling, obviously. And, and um, <laughs> big red X came across the screen. So I don't know if you've ever saw it back in the um, the early '80s when there was blood or there was something people oh. didn't want them to see. They would put a big X across the screen oh, and uh, and block it out and like censor it. So that was like I was like, what is this you're watching? <laughs> it was wow. terrible. <laughs> so I mean, from there I, I got right into it. And I never, um, never stopped, uh, never stopped watching it. Awesome, and, bro. Uh, that, and that turned out. I think it was WWF that did that. Um, and since I grew up outside Philadelphia, I was always able and exposed to um, to everything wrestling because we had NWA, we had WWF. Eventually, World Class was on TV there. UWF was on TV there. I mean, we had we had the gamut. Um, and so initially my entry was WWF and then eventually I really got in the NWA. Cool, bro. Cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I always love just asking that same question to everyone. Cause it's like, it's always, as soon as they saw it, that was it. <laughs> just had to see yeah, it. Yeah. They, were, they were absolutely hooked. It was Usually gonna... there's a hook. And for some people it takes a minute for me, it was, uh, I was right into it. Like I loved it instantaneously. Yeah. I wanted to know what the red X was, which eventually was blood. So, <laughs> <laughs> And it's interesting when I interviewed CW, he told me that he didn't even like wrestling. So it's interesting how um, everyone. Yeah, he else... got pulled along, if I remember correctly. 
That's it. It wasn't, yeah. uh, it wasn't kind of like in his blood, like it was in ours. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you're a fan, obviously, for, for, for quite a few years before you end up getting involved in the business. Um, I don't know this story. I haven't watched any previous interview with you because I like to go in fresh. Uh, at what, what point do you manage to find your way to be involved? Did you end up doing any sort of training? Did you actually want to be a wrestler? How was that journey for you? I was like a, a ringside photographer. And, and the reason, and that's actually how I started. At, well, I lied. Started as a writer and eventually a ringside photographer. And the way that happened was I was in college and I came home. Um, I think it was like one winter break. And um, I guess it would have been 93 or 94. And I was watching um, Sports Channel Philadelphia. And I had not been watching wrestling at the time for quite some time. And I saw Eddie Gilbert and Terry Funk in a Russian chain oh, match. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, beating the shit out of each other in a very like empty ish kind of building. And <laughs> yeah. so I start watching it because these are two guys I loved. I mean, I loved Eddie Gilbert, uh, obviously Funk. And I was like, whoa, what is this? Like, this is cool. So I watched the match. And all it was was a promo for. Um, for uh, an Eastern championship wrestling show that was happening in Philadelphia. So I'm 20, 30 minutes outside the city. I'm like, Oh my God, like that's it's down the street. So all of a sudden, like the wheels start turning again, that maybe wrestling's cool again, because I've never, <laughs> I haven't seen anything like this since, uh, I guess since NWA. So I, um, <clears throat> I ended up going to a bunch of ECW, original ECW shows like ultra clash and, Super summer and like all these, like, I don't know, a bunch of TV tapings. Um, and then there was a program one night that I found like a, a written, I have one around here somewhere, but it was on um, the ECW action wire and <clears throat> I grabbed it and it said like, you know, if you're interested in writing for the ECW action wire, you know, call this, call this number. And uh -huh. I was a writer in college. I, I was a music editor for the school paper. So I was used to interviewing bands and writing show reviews and, like a really obviously time in the nineties was all the grunge stuff was happening. So I was like super into that. Um, but I was like, I should try writing about pro wrestling. So I called the number, the number was Gabe Sapolsky who now, you know, <clears throat> works for WWE and his story is really well known and whatnot. And him and I hit it off. And so I started writing. I did that for a while. Then I became a photographer because you needed someone to shoot ringside. Um, and being in the grunge air and everything, I was always wearing flannel shirts. I had very long hair. I was obviously still in college and I looked like a Dudley. <laughs> and one night, um, I was with Rave and him and I had become friends and we were driving to an indie show outside of ECW. And they asked me, have you ever been trained or anything like that? And I was like, no, no. And that was the end of that conversation. And then the next time I turned up at the ECW arena, as soon as I got there, Somebody said to me, uh, Raven needs to see you right away. Like, oh, you know, <laughs> like, okay. And usually that means you're in trouble. Uh, I was like, what did I do now? So I went to Raven and he goes, hey, buddy, congratulations. You, you're now signed Guy Dudley. And somebody had gotten, you know, two pieces of cardboard for me. And they're like, go by, go find a tie-dye shirt. You know, you're going to sit in the front row tonight. And you're going to hold these signs during the Dudley matches. And you sit there the whole show. Well, I'm like, what about my photos? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but um, and that night, really quickly, um, I know I'm kind of super long winded here, but it's a kind of a funny story. Is that night? So it's Dreamer versus Dudley, Dudley, and Dreamer comes and pulls me out of the uh, out of the crowd, pulls me wow. over, and we had not worked the spot out. There was no discussion in, in previously <laughs> about it, 
And I'm like, what is going on? And he, um, he, he throws me in the ring. And as he's throwing me in the ring, I hear him say, watch the chair. I'm like, watch the what? So he <laughs> hits me with a chair. I just unscripted, no, no, no discussion about it. Picks me up, gives me a DDT. <laughs> and then I get to the back and, and Raven's like, I thought you said you weren't trained. And I was like, I'm not, I don't know what the fuck just happened. But that was, that was my entry in the business. And then from there, I start going to ECW wrestling school a couple of times a week, but not to be a, um, a wrestler. Um, it was always to be manager, um, learn how to take bumps. And that was from, you know, Taz helped me, Perry Saturn, uh, Mikey Whipwreck, Bubba was there. Um, Eventually, Bubba was there, and we all—they just helped me, so I didn't kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> they told me tell you why he did that. What's that? They told me tell you why he pulled you in the ring when. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. He, uh, <laughs> because he had gotten in my face at the end of the match and kind of just was going to shrug me off, and I made fun of him. Like I started like <laughs> I was just playing the part. I was just like, you, you know, and whatever. <laughs> and he's like, and then he also thought I was trained. So oh, right. uh, so he just he kind of shot on me and it was it was hysterical. But when I got in the back, it was actually a really cool feeling, man. I was like, whoa, I lived that dream out, and I thought that was it. And then it became this big long thing. <laughs> right. Uh is it true that there was another sign guy in the crowd? Am I getting that correct? Yeah, yeah. There was a fan, his name was Paul, funny enough. Um, and he would hold signs and he would make fun of like he would have inside knowledge of what was happening on the show. But he got so into it that he thought he was part of the show. And one night, or he lived in Philadelphia. One day he saw like Stevie, uh, Stevie Richards was at a gym or so. They were both at the same place. And Stevie went, or he went to say hi to Stevie or Stevie went, like something happened. And the guy like gave him, there's like a old school wrestler's handshake. Um, I don't even know if they still do it, to be honest. Um, but he gave him like the wrestler's handshake, and that right. pissed Stevie off because he's just like, <laughs> You're not one of the boys. Yeah. Um, so it was always like, I guess the old story goes if you shook really light, the hand really lays means you work really the light. limp hand, yeah, 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 yeah. And I always so I don't, I honestly don't think they, I have no idea. But when I was in WWF working in, or WWE working in the office, I don't remember the limp handshake. So <laughs> it's a, it's a weird thing. I always found it weird that the, there's only been a couple times where that's happened in local wrestling. I've shaken some, yeah. and they, they did the limp hand thing. I was like, that that was strange. Uh, but yeah, anyway. I think some guys, some guys used to get pretty pissed at it. So I, I don't know if it got phased out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so okay, you find out that you, you're going to become a Dudley, your sign guy, Dudley. Uh, the original three guys in the group are Dudley, Dudley, Snot Dudley, and Big Dick Dudley. They're the original three. Uh, and dances Snot- with Dudley too. Yeah. Snot leaves ECW, and yeah. I believe he's replaced by Dancers with Dudley. Uh, no, I think it goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of like that happened at the same time. Yep. Right, okay. Um, and around this point, obviously, uh, is when you come in along with Chubby Dudley. Um, so out of the gate, I guess I just want to ask you, you know, how do you feel about the pre-Devon and Bubba Ray and Spike era of the Dudley family? It was so, I was, it was so quick before Bubba came though. And that was the thing. I don't even remember maybe a couple shows that it was just, just that All group. Right. Because they had been, they had actually been there during the summer. It was Dudley, Dudley dances. I know, sorry, Dudley, Dudley, Snot Dudley and Big Dick Dudley. And Dudley, Dudley was still there. He was in the match I was just telling you about. And then eventually Bubba came 
and he the group was uh and chubby came and dances with dudley started the night after me so like there's five okay. of us i think at our at our start um yeah. it gradually like peeled off and then bubba it became more of a focal point for bubba i don't remember many shows working without bubba to be honest with you maybe like maybe a month's worth of shows which in that time was maybe two or three shows ah, um, okay. cool. but you know what man i was so like i was just happy to be in it and i would always like you know, I would tell my friends or whatever. I'd be like, yeah, this is like two or three months. And then like, that's how wrestling goes. And I'll be back at ringside shooting pictures and <laughs> writing, for the, writing for the program. And, um, and but what did it explode into? I, what's that? And lo and behold, you end up being there. Yeah, no, no. It's like I, I gave it three months. I remember it very, very well that I remember saying, oh, it'll be done by like, you know, October, November and whatever. And I was wrong. Uh, cool, bro. <laughs> yeah. Look, you're the first guy I've had on the show that was uh, there back then and stayed to the end. I I've had Chubby on the show, but he was just there for the eastern part and and uh, this run here. And a lot of the other guys came in later on in ECW that I've had on the show. So this is an interesting interview for me because I get to, uh, I guess, talk to somebody that, you know, has the whole broad um you know, yeah, I was there for the gamut, man. <laughs> unbelievable, bro. Like, yeah. you must have had a moment at some stage during all that time where you're like, I can't believe this is my life. Oh, yeah. 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 And you know what? You know what's even funnier, I think, is like last December of like last year, you know, during COVID and everything like that, I've had a lot of time. You know, I was lucky to still be employed and still have work to do and things like that. But you have a lot of time by yourself, at least we did here. And I start, you know, I, I, um, I, I put my sign guy Dudley page back on Facebook. I just did some things that were wrestling oriented because I hadn't been, and I really like took a step back and it, it takes that long sometimes to realize like what you were part of. Um, and I always said in early interviews after ECW was done, and I believe it now more than ever that I always compared it to what Nirvana did for brunch and music in general. I mean, that was us. That was this group of guys who just like, <clears throat> kind of got hit it and they hit it really fast yeah. and kind of got it was over for us it was we went a little longer than nirvana but at the same time the impact in the respective areas was the same um but i always compare it to that and it took me almost 20 years removed from the fact to be like holy shit like people like really do remember um in those moments i don't know if you know how much you're yes i definitely had a what the fuck am i doing parts of <laughs> parts of my life there but i didn't look much down the road as to what was like the impact going to be you know right. and i think uh, and the impact in, in pop culture and wrestling and everything like that i just knew at that moment we were doing something really cool um and then it was over <laughs> <laughs> um do you know why dudley dudley left the company I think all those guys, um, I think they just were done. You know, I think it was, I think Paulie kind of wrapped them up and was taking the gimmick in a different direction. Right. You know, when they brought, when they brought Devon in, I mean, that's just truth. I don't think it was anything like crazy. It was just, you know, Dudley, Dudley stopped, Chubby stopped, DW stopped. I think DW quit actually. Um, and because Devon now had come in, he was the heel. He was the guy who was going to set us straight. And then it right. was just becoming something very, very different than what it was. Absolutely. Um, I made it through the foray probably because I was, didn't make a lot of money and I was willing to do whatever, but um, yeah. And then big Dick was kind of like in and out, yeah. you know, 
and then um yeah and then joel got brought in and uh and then spike and yeah because then now spike's there too so you have a, a bunch of guys i think they just focused it down and i think that was really it right. you know, Doug bradley who was dudley dudley is a great guy um i haven't talked to him forever but when we ever we would see him at shows and whatnot we always he was always very nice to me a very good guy uh cool bro um so we've mentioned Bubba Ray. I just want to know what your first first impressions were of Bubba when you met him. I mean, I always got along great. You know, he is, uh, my first impression was I was at his match in, I was on an indie show when I just started. Um, I was managing Raven, actually. It was like the third or fourth show I ever worked. It was in Long Island. And Dreamer was there, surprisingly. He wasn't booked on the show, but he was there to watch a guy named Mongo Vile. All right. Mongo Vile was wrestling that night. And Mongo Vile was Bubba Ray Dudley. All right. <laughs> he grabbed me and he said, watch this. And this guy, uh, Primo, gave Bubba a, uh, a choke slam. And Bubba was like up on the ceiling, like how, how high he got up because he gets up so good for a big guy. And then um, that's how Bubba started coming in. And him and I met. And uh, same taste in music, like you were and I were talking pre-interview. He was a big metal guy, still is. Um, it was Molly Crew and uh, Guns N' Roses and Van Halen, all that kind of stuff. So we hit it off that way. Um, he was working at a regular job. I was working at a regular job during the week. So we just, we had a lot in common. Um, I always got along with him the whole run, um, the, all the way through. And then still now, I mean, I, I talked to him, I guess it was two weeks ago. It was the last time I, we, we spoke, but we're still boys. Awesome, bro. Yeah, about that him going up so well for a choke slam. He he's yeah. he was such a big guy, but he looked like the lightest big guy I'd ever seen. When he would, uh, he was so quick, and uh, you know, yeah. it didn't seem to be a problem anytime someone wanted to pick him up. It just he went up. Um, uh, that was he was well known for that. Yeah. Well known for that. <laughs> uh, at Massacre on Queens Boulevard on April 1396, Devon Dudley made his debut. Um, okay, we you have touched on a little bit, but what did you think about, okay, we, they're going to take this in a more serious direction. Were you excited about that prospect? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I knew I would be like the the heel manager, like the bad guy, making uh, screwing all the, the baby faces out of matches when I could and stuff like that. So for me, I thought it would be cool. More so for those two guys, I thought it was going to be awesome. I had met Devon um, the week uh, of his debut. He had a tryout, or the week or the week before, I was at the school. They brought him there for a tryout um, at the wrestling school. And um, him and Bubba clicked right away. Um, Devon's a great worker. I remember they're like, what should we call you? <laughs> We're all like, just call him Devon. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, him and I, him and I traveled together a lot too. So I was, you know, I was a great guy, like really great guy, and uh, had a lot of good times together. But I also believe that that was a good time for us because I think the the Bubba dancing and the comedy and that had kind of like it was cool in ECW for a little bit, but it wasn't sustainable. It was running its course, and you know, in some places you could tell people still wanted to see it, but in the more like Philadelphia's of the world and whatnot. It's mm -hmm. kind of like, I've seen it once or twice. Like I'm good. Yeah. So it was necessary to, to prolong everything. Yeah. Good call, bro. There are some things happening in wrestling today where I'm like, it's gone on a little long now. Maybe it's yeah. time to, to move on to something <laughs> else, but uh, no, I don't want to talk about today's wrestling. I just want to focus on this golden era. And um, this is a big run that the Dudleys have uh, a tag team 
championships. Uh, Barely legal is obviously a very important uh, evening for everybody. Uh, the first pay-per-view. You're the first person I've had the opportunity to ask about Barely Legal. Tell me about that day, how exciting it was, and obviously taking total elimination later on in the night was uh, something. Oh, yeah. I took total elimination about 20 times the week of the show because we were the, – the eliminators wanted to work through the match. Uh-huh. Um, and they worked through it. We went to Long Island, and um, literally I think one day or over the course of one or two days we did that match a lot. That wasn't the original spot, though. The original spot was I was going to pop up and go to hit somebody with a sign. They were going to pull me over, whip me in the ropes, and give me, like, a double kick. Okay. And at the last minute, they changed it, like, very last minute. But whatever. I, I preferred what, what, what we ended up doing. Um, <laughs> that day was crazy. That week was crazy. You know, it was like I was actually, you know, a couple of weeks before that, I don't know if you ever saw the Taz and uh, Sabu barely legal poster. I actually shot that. I went All back right. to my photographer days. They asked me to come up and – and do the shoot for it. And we did that. And they, you know, I remember Mikey and I driving around Long Island, like picking up those posters <laughs> to bring them <laughs> down to the arena. Cause you remember everybody in ECW was always doing something else. Most of the guys always had like other things they did within the company, whether to make money or just kind of be around. And um, so, yeah. And I remember the week um, they were painting the ECW arena um, and I remember going there on a Friday cause I lived in Philly. Uh, so I'd always go down there and, uh, I always like the arena's not going to be ready. Cause like the, they were painting the floor. <laughs> it was very weird. <laughs> um, next day they're doing the ring load in. I went in for that and just kind of hung out. But you know, the week was like, for me personally, like it was fine. It was just like, it was pretty exciting. Um, that day was, was, was crazy. You know, Paul gave the big speech that I think is on, um, it's on yeah. one of the, Beyond yeah, the it's on yeah, 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 yeah. So he was, uh, he gave that, and everyone was, we were pretty amped up, man. It was awesome. It was awesome. I can tell you then the next pay per view, Hardcore Heaven, I think it was, was, uh, wasn't as fun. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> and then, um, we kind of went from there and it started, you started getting into routine. But that day, that whole, that whole week was awesome. Getting to that moment when you thought you'd never get there was, was pretty amazing because enough people did enough to hold us down. Absolutely, bro. It's uh, it's such a special thing. You guys had all built this thing from the ground up, and and that's what I love the most about it. Uh, and yeah. as uh, we're getting towards the tail end of me with the Dudley era of your career, questions. Uh, just wanted to throw one more out there of what your fondest memories, or if you had a story of something that happened during this run with Bubba and Devon and everyone else. There's a lot of stories. I just don't know <laughs> what we could talk about. Um, <laughs> you know what? You know what, man? I think I think the the the. And I'm going to answer this differently than I have for anybody else. I think looking back on that journey, there's a lot of life lessons that come along with it. So I'm not going to do the funny haha like, oh, I put a snake in Devon's room and he got scared like they did. But like we we had our fun on the road. We always, you know, we we got along. Um, but within that, you know, it's funny because I transitioned out of wrestling and kind of went into marketing and things like that. And a lot of things that you learn in, in the wrestling business, especially in the old school wrestling business, I, I don't know how it is now about respect and how you treat people and things like that, trans, trans, you know, transcends into, into, your, into your life. And, um, you know, being part of something, looking at something from not just an individual standpoint, but a brand standpoint is is also something i learned in ecw and i just i just saw an interview with somebody i 
uh, was a fan, um, a collector who collects all this ECW stuff. And he said, well, I never collected all the guys stuff because it was always about the brand. And that was, I think, really important and something that I've carried through in my professional career that I don't think I would have, <clears throat> I probably would have gotten there, but not as quickly as I did, you know, with what I do now, because that's what ECW was. It wasn't about like, you know, you knew you'd get four or five guys every night that were going to be on the show that were going to deliver. And the rest of it, you had no idea what you were getting. Cause I mean, literally Paul would be writing these or Tommy would be writing these lineups like, you know, an hour before the show, <laughs> but you knew ECW as a brand would deliver. And that's one of my you know biggest discoveries and, and really cool to be part of, you know what I mean? That you're part of like three letters that meant so much to everybody. Um, as far as Bubba and Devon, like they've had amazing careers and, um, you know, I'm happy we're still in touch. Um, you know, they've, they've just done so much and Bubba now with his podcast and his radio show, like he's awesome. So he's, he's, they've done really good. Um, so no, you know, memories are about the whole thing really for me. Cool, bro. Um, another question. Was it always in the back of your head during this whole time? Cause it's a few years that you were part of the, the Dudley group. It was always yeah. in the back of your head that you knew that you could be a bigger part of the show instead of just being the silence behind the violence. You could get on the microphone and really show your range. You know, was there a point in time where you thought to yourself, you know, one day it'd be nice to to try something else? Um, you know, I never was honestly proactively thinking that way. I, I just didn't. I did know that run would end though eventually because I knew Bub and Dean, like I knew they were going to go somewhere else. Yeah, and right. then I was just kind of like, I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, I had done Mike work once as sign guy Dudley. Um, it was, I think it aired on hardcore TV. It was a match against Axel and, and balls, um, where I told them they weren't getting a title shot, this whole thing. And, and that was good because I later found out that, that was like a tryout to see if I could talk uh. on the microphone. They don't, they don't tell you these things. Um, and it was in Philly. I wasn't stressed about it. I remember walking in the arena that day and Bob was like, I have good news. I have bad news. And he's like, the good news is you get to talk on the mic. The, the bad news is you have to get hit. You know, Paul's going to hit you with a chair afterwards. So, <laughs> um, but, you know, I never thought of it like that. And, and then once I did the mic work, I was like, cool, you know, it, that's awesome. And then it, it kind of went into something different. So, um, but never, uh, I was just happy to be part of it, man. <laughs> <laughs> cool, bro. Um, so the first member of the Dudley family I had the chance to interview was Chubby. And I've, my my goal is to eventually try and interview every single member that I can of of that was part of the Dudley family from start to finish. Uh, and when I do the interview with these guys, I wanted to do a little word association, uh, bring up each member's name. If you have a memory or just something to say about them, please share. Um, what do you say about me? <laughs> Um, oh, geez, I can't remember now because I was kidding. I was drinking in that interview as well. But it was, it was no, all just kidding. No, it's uh, so we'll start off this word association with Dudley Dudley. Uh, he's a chef. He was a chef. He was a cook. He became a chef after ECW. That's all I remember about. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine if you don't know much no. about these guys it's it's totally cool and no 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 i'm dead serious he was a chef he was right, like cool. um i like jeff a lot like i said i just didn't have a lot of time with him at all because yeah. it, it was so quick and i'm sure the next one is very quick too snot dudley oh man i think i didn't, i don't even know if i was on a show with him right. honestly <laughs> i think we were on like maybe one show anthony michaels right 
yeah was his name and he was i knew he was in smoky mountain wrestling which i was really intrigued by because i love smoky mountain and yeah. i remember i wanted to talk to him about that and then he was gone <laughs> right actually i think uh uh my google search just then says that his name's michael deke oh i think it's a work name I'm oh maybe. right sorry okay yeah. cool uh <laughs> next up big dick dudley r.i.p man that's a great guy yeah. He used to, him and I used to get, I know I got along with everybody. Now there's very few people I didn't get along with. Um, I went to his son's like baptism and confirmation, like a bunch of stuff, man. We had a, a good relationship and uh, you know, I think he was an, un, you know, as what's the best word for him? An intense guy that, uh, and a, but a really fun guy and really yeah. happy to have a son. So it was sad what happened. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace to him. Um, next up is Chubby Dudley. He's a fun man. Bay's a good guy, man. Yeah. He's come a long way in life just with what he does on his um his um his show that he um what's it dry? Oh shit. I was on it. Um, but he does this podcast and he's kept yeah. it going. A totally driven radio. And yeah, that's uh, it. he's kept it going for so long, but he's a fun man, you know. He's uh, what's he live in Nashville now and uh I was doing like a live chat on Facebook, uh, maybe like two or three months ago. I brought my 12 year old daughter with me because she just wanted to like experience this craziness. Mm -hmm. And um, he popped on. That was the first time I had talked to him in probably like 10 or 11 years. Wow. But, um, but yeah, I'm happy with, you know, I said, obviously to see him go back in the day, but I get it. Um, but he's such a passion for music and stuff like that. So to see what he's able to do to kind of keep that passion alive in projects is, is awesome. Absolutely. Uh, dances with Dudley. I wish he didn't quit. <laughs> I mean, that <laughs> um, was the first thing. I mean, he got really upset about some stuff, and uh, I was one of the reasons he got upset, by the way. Um, but um, what's his name? Al, um, Al, right? Um, Alfonso, um, something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, no, I mean, look, it was a nice guy. Um, I have no idea what he did after the fact. I think he did, like, try to do another Dudley thing. Right. With like another Dudley, <laughs> that was just out of nowhere. So, you know, <laughs> I hope he's well. Uh, I think his name's uh, Adolfo. Adolfo. I was going to say Alfonso, but I know that wasn't right. <laughs> Adolfo. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's pretty it was close. Pretty yeah, it could have been something fun there, but who knows? <laughs> um, you, you've mentioned them both a little bit so far. Uh, Bubba yeah. Ray and Devon. Uh, I think both for Bubba, I'm going to go with uh, passionate and just a very. I think also misunderstood. And it's funny when I did the welcome to Dudleyville, uh, that was a DVD for WWE. I'm not giving it a plug, um, even though it is cool, but I did a very long interview with them about the Dudleys and they, they got into Bubba, but they edited one of my favorite parts out, which was, I believe that his passion sometimes was uh, misunderstood for being a difficult person. Right. Um, and I never, while I see why people may think that, I think at, in his heart, he does did not mean, I'm not yeah. speaking for him. Um, I don't think it was always with the intent people thought, right. you know, and I know I've heard a million stories and I've experienced lots of different things, but I always felt it was with the, with the passion um, to put the best product in front of fans. And sometimes you need that, you know, and sometimes people take that as like, oh, he's this, he's that, he's like, whatever, but. I never really had a bad experience with him, you know, and um, I think he's a very passionate and misunderstood guy sometimes. And Devon, because I presume you're going to go to Devon next, was yeah. this guy was just the happiest guy. 
um, in, in ECW and in WWE. That was his dream, you know? And to literally, you know, I used to, him and I used to travel together. We used to ride together. You know, I used to pick him up in his apartment with his wife and his two kids. And we spent lots of time together. Now I think he has four or five kids and he's just a, a good guy, you know, and I was happy to see him have a, a really high degree of success. And he always wanted to work for WWF or WWE. And when he finally got there, I was like, yeah, man, that's awesome. So absolutely. Yeah. Um, the cream rises to the top. Uh, I agree. <laughs> next up, uh, you know, technically a member of the Dudley family. Some call him Studley Dudley, Joel Gertner. <laughs> Joel is, uh, I have said this many times and I'll say it again. I am surprised he never went further in the wrestling business after ECW because uh, he's so talented. And the fact, sorry, my allergies are acting up. Um, right. Super talented guy, super witty, like can do things like on the spot that no one can do and think like, uh, and I just don't get it. You know, there's a few guys in the wrestling business that I've been around that I don't get why they went further um, yeah. and made like significant money. Um, Joel would be one of those guys because, you know, he, he just had that, that it factor for a manager announcer person. Um, I don't know how his business dealings were. I don't know anything about that or why things didn't happen. I just thought he would have gone further. And I think, you know, there's a legacy there for him, for sure, with an ECW. I thought there would be more. I agree totally. I never understood why he wasn't brought into the WWF to do something because he was so talented. And he still, he was very young when he was in ECW. So he's yeah. still like yeah. a, a young man now. And uh, could... Yeah, I think he was uh, like two, two or three years younger than me. Um, we were both pretty young there. I mean, I was 23 two or 23 yeah it was crazy. um but yeah no that always surprised me and uh you know him and i i'll keep in touch a little bit online and whatnot but i never i never got that he was one i would have banked on i spoke to him a little bit earlier and he said to send his regards to you um tell him to tell you the uh the denny story denny story all right <laughs> there's a lot of stories or the lampshade story <laughs> Denny, I'll type this in Denny's lampshade. Okay. Just tell lampshade lampshade story. <laughs> okay. Uh and the last one on this yeah. uh word association, little spike Dudley. Oh, driven man. Toughest guy in the locker room. He was toughest guy in the locker room. He just got uh he got the shit beat out of him all the time. <laughs> and, and he was part of the ring crew. Um so, I mean, he was there the earliest of anybody. He was getting his ass kicked during the show. He was helping tear the building down and driving to the next town. It was, uh, I had a lot of respect for him. Yeah, man. Have, and I've had, have. Speaking of uh, him getting the shit beaten out of him, seeing him against Mike Awesome, uh, headlining oh, God. a pay Good yeah. God, some of those table spots. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. When yeah, did yeah. you first find out that Bubba and Devon had offers from the WWF? And how did that make you feel about your spot with ECW? Um, we were in Chicago. I don't know. I think it was for a TV. I don't think it was a pay-per-view. It was, no, it wasn't Chicago. It was um, Ohio, Dayton, Ohio, Harrow Arena, which is torn down now. Um, they had told me, they had kept me in the loop that they, there was things were happening. And they were giving me like a heads up. And... You know, I don't know if this was just negotiated or whatever, but I remember one night 
we were at um we were at the hotel and Bubba and Devon, they're like, why we should all talk. And Bubba's like, we're really close. Like we're gonna sign. And uh, uh and Paulie's basically telling us there's nothing for you. Now that's what Paulie was telling them, you know. Right. Um, that never was told to me. Um and then what I thought was what I had started to do was learn the business side of it from the promoting side and the marketing side of how you do those shows. Cause Bubba was doing that. Um, so I was kind of like asking him a million questions about how building deals work and how pricing works and marketing and whatnot. So when I heard that, I kind of went to Tommy cause he was my guy and, and just said, first of all, he was like my best friend there, but also like I could trust him. And I, and I said, listen, you know, I don't like, I know these guys, if they leave, um, they're probably nothing for me. And, but I would like to remain with the company on the, on the business side. You know, I, and someone's going to need to be a promoter. Someone's going to need to do these things. And they had like a team of guys. Um, but Bubba was just did it differently. And I wanted to do what he was doing. So, um, so I knew that would, that would kind of happen, but I didn't find that out. I think until like the last night of the last night they were there, um, we were in Queens, New York and, you know, right. we did the fun well and i was kind of in the back and i went to paul i was like am i what what am i doing he's like i want you to fly keep coming to every show we're going to keep flying you in we're going to keep paying you um just to be the the promotions guy and so that's that started um right. and then i took one week off because i had like a friend's wedding or something and then um and sure enough yeah that's that's what happened um so i did that for two or three months um i did it with jack victory um i think that was by choice too because i remember they had asked me like you know, you should probably have somebody with you. And I think that's how Jack got in the picture. Um, him and I had a blast doing that, but that, that's how that started. So um, I, I knew I was done. Let's put it that way. <laughs> At least I thought it was. All right. So you didn't have any hopes that you might be uh, brought in as part of the package to the WWF? Oh, no. I mean, they, so Devon had called me during all this and said that, that they were going to reach out to me. Um, he's like, yeah, you know, I remember the phone call. He's like, congratulations, signing a deadly new member of World Wrestling Entertainment. I was our World Wrestling Federation. He's like, you know, Jim Ross is going to call you. They want you part of this. I right. just didn't believe it. I didn't. Believe, I was just like, no one's talked to me. And like, I don't even know if I want to do that, to be honest, which sounds bananas. But at that point in my life, literally, I was working for a, a radio station in Philadelphia and I had an opportunity, like I had an opportunity there to go full time and just like run their whole promotions marketing department. I knew like this promotion thing in W or in ECW was around. And I didn't know if I wanted to go to some place where it was like, I don't know, there were there were no male managers. There was nothing like there. Um and it eventually never happened anyway, so I didn't have to worry about it. But yeah. Um, but for, I had a, there was a minute there that I was like, wow, that's crazy. But yeah, no, I never heard another, never heard another word. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, bro. Uh, did you have any ideas on what you wanted to do next on, like, was there anything on the table other than the Louis dangerously character? Uh, I later found out that there was a idea to put me with, uh, Simon Diamond and his cast of misfits. Um, and a dreamer told me about it in like Baton Rouge. Like we were at some, we were at a show and Louis dangerously was happening. We, I just wasn't doing the house shows, but I was promoting the house show. So I was still on the road and he's like, yeah, I wanted you to lose like 30 pounds and you were going to be like, you know, we're going to slick your hair back and you're going to be part of Simon Diamond's crew. And I was like, it sounds horrible, but not because of Simon, but it's like, I don't know. <laughs> because 
compared to Louis Dangerously, you know, I was like, yeah, it's much better on that side. Um, even though that, you know, you still have to be worked in the storylines and Simon had a continual one, but still I was looking at it from like, it's time to have some fun now. So yeah, that was the only other thing I ever heard. Right. So how did Lou E come about? It's a fantastic uh, yeah. play on Paulie. You did a very good job. Very convincing. Um, you know, did they, did someone, you know, did you say, Hey, I'm going to, I want to do a, a Paulie impression here. Or did someone say, yeah. I want you to do a Paulie impression. How did that come about? It literally happened because I, because of my wearing my hair in a ponytail, always wearing a hat. Um, <laughs> there was guys who would come up to me in the locker room when they couldn't see my face. Cause I had the same build as Paul and think <laughs> I was Paul. <laughs> okay. I remember Axel Rotten would do it all the time. Johnny Grunge rest in peace to both of them would do it all the time they'd be like hey paul and they'd be like fuck it's not you or it's not <laughs> paul you know and it started like happening like a lot and then one i was either traveling with tommy because again we were he was part of this traveling crew as well where you you know we had so much fun talk to business and i was like yeah louis dangerously man like just as like a joke and this was when i was still signed guy dudley Right. And that just went away. And then Tommy kept it in the back of his head. <laughs> and uh, he did. When, when, so when I start promoting and signing that the Dudleys were gone, he's like, I want to do the Louis Dangerously thing. I just need, like, shouldn't do anything for like two or three months. So you can be fresh out of sign guy and transition into that. And right. um, sure enough, that happened. Um, and it was uh, the first time ever was at the ECW arena. <laughs> the hardest, <laughs> the opening of the show. <laughs> so. so how did it come about that you would manage uh beautiful billy wiles and cw anderson i had asked to work with um cw and billy um initially uh cw and i had talked about it because i was doing like these pop-up kind of like promos where i was just doing like funny shit and then uh and i love cw and i had gotten along personally really well um i love the way he worked i loved his passion and I just thought like I could help him as a, you know, a guy who could speak and he, he, he can talk, but I could get him heat in a different way. Like than he could, no, yeah. no offense, to him, but he would, he would agree with me. Um, and I went to Tommy about it and Tommy had already been thinking about it. Um, so it kind of just started happening um, as the new dangerous Alliance. And then we had, you know, I had those two guys and eventually Electra and Eric Watts was part of it for like three shows or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's literally how it came, came about was in ECW, you had the platforms to make suggestions about your character. Yeah. And most of the time it was pretty well received unless it was complete like shit. Um, and in this situation, it was, it was really well received. Cool, bro. Um, it was supposed to go further too, but <laughs> politics. <laughs> <laughs> I understand, bro. Uh, and I did speak to CW uh, a little while ago. He said to tell you that he said hello, and he said to ask him about the Lou. Here's your spot from me in a match. <laughs> I just uh, we just had a Zoom call last week for another podcast where all of us were on, and I and I brought the story up willingly. So I had a good reputation with the boys. I never missed my spot. Like I never like if it was pulling the leg, if it was stopping a three count, if it was throwing powder. Like I was taught from, you know, being with the Dudleys, like you get one chance in a match to make your impact and you got to be on time. So I never missed a spot like ever. And one night I forget where we were. 
um, I missed the spot. <laughs> I was supposed to pull like Noah's leg, and I was like, I used to like on house shows, I'd fuck around a lot of like <laughs> just fuck around with fans and like kind of just have a good time, but always keeping my eye on what was happening in the ring. And I don't know what happened that night, but I zoned out, and Nova hit the ropes. I was supposed to pull his leg, and they were going to do like a super kick or something. And uh, I missed, I, I missed everything. And Nova looked at me, he's like, what the fuck? So the next night, same match, same spot. Um, this time, like, I'm not fucking off too much. They start getting the spot and CW looks down to me and as loud as he can be, he goes, Lou, here's your spot. <laughs> so, and that, that rib lasted for like two or three weeks. So, uh, yeah. But I always, um, cause we rib each other like relentlessly in, in good ways, but I, I never let them get anything on me and they got that one on me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, bro. I uh, love that. Um, where did you get those giant cell phones from at that stage in, you know, the year 2000? Yeah. Uh, it's it must have been hard to phones. find. Cordless phones. <laughs> and uh, whose head were you happiest to hit that thing on? Uh, who? What? What was the last part? Whose head were you happiest to hit that, that oh, phone okay. on? Um, I got them at Radio Shack and any place that sold cordless phones. Right. That's all they were. They're actually cordless phones. Right. Uh, I did have like a really old 80s cell phone that was like a brick that I have still. That if I hit somebody with, they would have died. Like it was very, very brickish. Um, who do I like hitting? I I mean, most of the time, you end up hitting your own. <laughs> your yeah, own. well, Billy and uh, I hit Danny Doring once. That was fun. Uh, <laughs> I hit Billy Corgan and gave him a concussion. So that was, that was <laughs> wow. <fun. laughs> yeah, they never really showed me, and I never. And maybe that's my own fault. Never really figured out until the end how you really could protect somebody by hitting right. with the phone. And so I would just hit you with the phone. All right. And uh, and Billy, I hit with the phone. And if you watch, it was from Hammerstein Ballroom. And he knocked. I knocked him out. I didn't. Oh. To. <laughs> <laughs> what a fantastic distinction to have. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Knocked yeah. out the lead singer of the Smashing Pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he knocked me out too, though. So. Who would have thought that would have happened? That's fantastic. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, Electra joins the group. I just wanted to ask you quickly: any memories of what she was like to work with, and what she was like behind the scenes? I love working with her. Was it was okay? I here's the thing with Electra. I thought she brought a lot of presence to us. Um, but she didn't remember her spots. <laughs> so All we're right. talking about spots. One of the ongoing jokes is after I blew my one thing, which was whatever, I used to, in the match, have to remember my spot and her spot because a lot of her spots were breaking up the pin um, or the fall and the ref. And, like, you can't be late for that because it looks like shit. So at some point, I was uh, I was remembering her stuff. and But Donna and I always got along fine. It was just, uh, you know, I... I don't have any bad memories ever. I just remember that one story. Right. Looking out, kind of looking out for her, I guess. But yeah, I think she's, uh, I think she lives in Orlando now and works at Disneyland from what Billy told me. Yeah. That's what he told me too, that um, she was actually his waitress uh, at a, when he was gone for lunch or something like that. So that's so funny. <laughs> um, so how did you think things were moving along for the group in 2000? Because I thought the team was really getting great heat and working together well. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think I am the biggest New Dangerous Alliance fan that there is. I thought it was going well. Um, we got Eric Watts. I thought that was interesting. 
Um, but somebody didn't like it. So it kind of like, it was supposed to transform where Simon and Swinger were supposed to be also be part of it. Right. It's going to be a bigger group. Don, yeah. And Don was going to be part of it. And there's some political things that happened and that never happened. Um, and then it kind of just got disbanded. And, uh, but I was, I, I thought it had a lot more to it. Um, I believe Paul was also kind of like over the fact that like we were trying to be serious at the same time I'm trying to like make fun of him. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like, uh, it just wasn't in, in his mind from what I understand, it wasn't like jiving that way where it was like, you have a parody of him. That's also trying to be like killer heels. And it's right. not only eventually that hurts CW and bill, you know, yeah. because you have this me as a goofball. And then it's like, these guys are trying to be like killer heels. So I, I could see why it, it didn't go further. Um, it could have been fixed, but it didn't. So it's okay, though. Yeah, that, fair enough. Um, Billy Wiles leaves the group. Uh, in, in my interview with him, he said he was disappointed that it didn't lead to a feud with CW, which I thought was strange because you would have thought that there would have been at least a match on Hardcore TV or something like that to at least blow that yeah. up. Uh, what did you think about having him leave the group at this point? Because I, I kind of felt like, as a fan, it didn't make any sense to split that team up at that point. Yeah, no, we didn't get much of it. It wasn't like, you know, when we went over this the other week, we were doing another interview with all of us. And I, and I said, it wasn't like there was this moment where they, somebody came to us and said, we're splitting all you guys up. It just kind of like happened. Like it right. was, it was very strange. It's almost like nobody wanted to have that conversation with us. Um, I had missed a show in Chicago because I was at my, my best friend's wedding. Um, and that was the TV taping. And so they had done kind of the split there. Whereas like CW went out by himself, Billy went out by himself and like nothing was intermingled. And then from there, like, I don't remember many more matches after that together. Um, um, and then CW went off his way and I kind of was, they put me with Chris Chetty and I started doing like the danger zone stuff. I was doing my, and it just was over. It was very, very strange. And maybe that's why they never had a match because it was never like, this big angle that happened. I was, it was crazy. Just, um, yeah. I think stop. <laughs> yeah. Billy just thought it ended up him being beaten down and kicked out was an afterthought. And, um, but he also has said to me to tell you that he said, I just loved him as my manager. He was my all time favorite. Oh, that's awesome. We had a lot of good times together, man. I like how everybody's passing messages through too. This <laughs> <laughs> is one of the first times I was actually able to, uh, it just, it just somehow happened. I wasn't even searching for it. I just told <laughs> both funny. of them and Joel that I was interviewing you and they said, I'll oh, pass this on. Um, uh, that's cool. <laughs> uh, so uh, what did you notice about ECW struggles with TNN and all that during this time? Because I've really enjoyed the show and I'm still kind of watching and going through it now all these years later. Um, but what did you notice about the struggles that uh, the company were having with them? Uh, the biggest thing was they didn't promote the show. You know, they didn't, they had the, they had the TV show. They didn't promote the TV show. Um, they would promote the TV show either at this, like the, the lead in show or during the show. It was one of the most insane asinine things I'd ever seen. Um, and that was, you know, that TV was supposed to be our, you know, our anchor for live events and pay-per-view and everything, but no one knew it was on TV. Yeah. So as a promoter at that time, now I am doing promoting and, 
you're going to, you're promoting shows that aren't selling any differently than they had before. Um, and now you have national TV. It just, it didn't, it didn't work. Um, I know Paulie knew a lot more about the censorship factors. I, I knew nothing about that. I just know that there was like a stringent, whatever the word is, amount of, of rules that were, were put into play. Um, I just know they never promoted us. Like, and it was so funny because hardcore TV was also still running. And I think people got more out of that than they were getting off of TNN. Yeah, um, it's, so it is weird seeing the difference between the two shows. Yeah. Yeah, no, we, um, Hardcore TV was definitely like, that was it. I thought the TNN shows were fine. Um, I, you know, I can't say I remember too many of them, to be honest. I remember a lot of Hardcore TVs because just the way it was edited and cut. But yeah, um, yeah, no, uh, I, I was only aware of the fact that they weren't doing anything to help us. Yeah, and uh, when we interviewed Joel, he said that, um, you know, when they would finally run an advertisement spot, <laughs> it was during the show, which yeah, makes no sense. The people who are watching already watching, you know. <laughs> yeah. Be no, it was brutal. Me. They would promote us during during the show. It was unlike dumb. anything I'd ever seen. That's so dumb. <laughs> like it was on purpose. Uh, okay, now the next one is uh, a question that we ask everyone that was in the company at this time. Uh, Heat Wave 2000, we like to get everyone's perspective so we can do a big like video with like 20 people talking about it. Uh, Heat Wave 2000, what's your memories of the big fight that took place uh, with the XPW people? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, my memories were the roadkill saved me. I remember that pretty well. I'll tell that story, but... Um, you know, I was... It's an interesting... It's interesting to look back on that now. Um, and know how united and unified your locker room was that there was like no second guessing on what was going to happen after that happened during our show. It wasn't like when there was a bunch of guys sitting around the locker room going, Oh, what should we go do? You know, it was like the second shit went down and they got kicked out. Like it was on. And um, it showed, I think like one, we weren't going to let anybody do that to us at our own show. And two, the boys were like, that That goes back to my comments earlier about how strong the brand was. They weren't protecting, like, Roadkill wasn't protecting Roadkill. Roadkill was protecting uh, was protecting ECW, you know. And um, it was uh, it was quite a lot. And I remember, you know, for me specifically, I was out there and I heard some chaos behind me, like literally right behind me. And as I, I had turned around, there was, there was a guy there with something that he was trying to going to hit me on the back of the head with or hit me with. And Roadkill had stopped him at the last second. Holy shit. And uh, it was just beat the shit out of him. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's scary, though. You know what I mean? It was just like, you know, ever, but that's we all had each other's backs. You know, I was I don't know what I was doing. I, I think I was literally just walking out there at that time. And then that happened. Um it was pretty crazy, man. It was pretty surreal too. Cause I remember after the show, uh, a bunch of us went to the rainbow to eat and Bubba had called Bubba called me. He's like, what in the fuck? Happened? Cause I, you know, he's a WWF now and he's like All right. down there. It spread like wildfire, but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was, uh, it's funny because I, I, I get what they were trying to do. And there's part of me that always wonders if, if Paul or anybody knew that was going to happen because of their seat locations, like yeah. literally front row. Um, or if the, the story goes that somebody had bought them and switched them over to them, gave them the tickets. And I don't know. I think, I think there's more to it. There definitely wasn't more to the fight though. The fight was very <laughs> real. <laughs> that, that was nuts. 
And I heard it was quite one-sided. Uh, we've had New Jack yeah. on the show. We've had Chilly Willy. We've had Big Sal. We've had yeah. like so many different points of view. So your point of view was uh, very appreciated. Thank you very much. Um, no, no problem. <laughs> uh, so good. the 22nd of July, 2000, uh, Billy Corgan took to the ring at a match in Peoria, Illinois, uh, to play the national anthem, but you interrupted him. Yeah, uh, and it ended with him hitting an, a guitar over your head. Did is that when he concussed you? No, no, he concussed me the second time in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> well, that must be fun, man. You, you know, you've mentioned it a little bit earlier, but uh, you know, being able to be out there with Billy Corgan of all people is uh, pretty. That's fun stuff. Yeah. No, look, he had come to um, came to one of the maybe it was Heat Wave or something in a pay per view in Chicago after the Dudleys had left. And I was, again, I was there as a promoter or whatever. And I was backstage with a group of guys and Tommy or somebody came back to us and they said, hey, the, the lead singer of the Smashing Pumpkins is in the back if anybody wants to say hi to him. I'm like a huge music fan. And I had just seen the Pumpkins in concert a couple of years prior to that. Um, so I, of course, went out there. And before I could go up to him and introduce myself, he stopped and looked at me. He goes, you're a sign guy, Dudley what's going to happen with you now? I'm like, what the fuck? Like that, that kind of, you know, universe was very strange that he knew who I was. Yeah. And yeah, I was, I was pretty, uh, it was pretty interesting. Um, but him and I became very good friends. And I think over the course of the next, you know, six, seven months as the Louis Dangerously character was going, and uh, he was, he lived in Chicago. We were doing a show in Peoria I asked him, I asked Tommy, I said, if I pitch Billy on an idea and he says, yes, would we do something? And Tommy's like, yeah, go ask him. So I, I got a hold of Billy and I said, we're doing this show. Like you have any, um, you have any interest on being on camera and maybe you and I can do something together. And he literally was like, as long as it's not cheesy. Yeah. Cause that <laughs> was the time WCW was using a lot of celebrities. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I told him, I said, I guarantee it won't be cheesy. In fact, like we could probably just figure it out ourselves what we're going to do. Um, so Billy came down that day and uh, Tommy, the, I don't know whose idea it was for him to play the national anthem, but it was, it, or, no, play a song about ECW, they called it or something, something insane. Um, but it was somebody's. Um, that was not my idea. My idea was to get him there and we'd figure it out. And then, you know, I cut him off. He hit me with the guitar. The rest is history. Mm -hmm. Um I later come to find out that a lot of guys were, that's no names, but we're trying to get him to do stuff with them. Cause they're like, well, why is he doing it with Lou? You know, he should do it with the biggest stars on the show and get us more over. So it was really weird like to hear yeah. that after the fact, but whatever, we had a good run with that. And then we, we did it, you know, a couple more times in, uh, in New York city one night. Yeah, well, I, mean, I mean, come on, let's, let's give Lou a little, little something, something, you know, just, Oh, well, you know what? It's funny because you hear it after the fact, you know, and he's yeah. never about that. But yeah, apparently that ruffled some feathers. I really didn't give a shit because as a promoter, I was also saying what's best for the brand here. Now, getting Billy there was best for the brand. And the rub for me was like, yeah, I, I did bring that. And like, I should, you know, I got to do the angle, but it actually made sense too in, in the grand scheme of what I was doing at the time. So whatever. It shit doesn't offend me. It just kind of is like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, at this stage, I want to bring up this because uh, I noticed that yeah, you, you've had two matches in your in your time in ECW. Uh, 
but please correct me if I'm wrong. 22nd of the 9th, 2000 in Salem, Virginia, a guy by the name of Blacksmith teams with Jack Victory to take on the New Dangerous Alliance in a three versus two handicap match. And also the 11th of the 8th, 2000 in Fort Lauderdale, Lou E and Cyrus take on Scotty Anton and Steve uh, Carino. No, uh, no. Those were, those were the matches where it was like, let's have a match. I'm going to fuck you up. And then I slide out of the ring and someone else comes in. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, no, Louie never had a wrestling. When you said that, I was like, uh, that never happened. Okay. But I do know what you're talking about in those situations where I don't remember who Blacksmith was, by the way. Um, but I remember Salem. Um, yeah, that was, that was for the old gimmick where I'd be like, I'm going to fight everybody. And, you know, and then you die. I'm going to fight you two guys <laughs> right now. And they come at us and then I just slide out of the ring and someone else comes in. Okay, fair enough. So, well, I'm sorry. glad that you were able to clear that up for me. So now I know that you never I was going to, have a match. really fast though, I was going to have a match. Fonzie and I were going to have a match at one wow, point. Wow, really? After, yeah, after he had done the thing with Beulah, Rob, Sabu, and the Dudleys were having like quite a few matches together. And um, nothing that that doesn't have anything to do with it, what he was doing with Beulah, but because he had something really good with Beulah, maybe it could be replicated. So he had talked to me about it and said, "Would you do it?" And I was like, "Yeah." I mean, it's just you know, it's just like kill each other for a couple minutes, <laughs> but it never happened. Yeah, and oh, shout out to that match with uh, Beulah and uh, oh yeah, that, that was awesome. That was amazing. For, yeah. for those two to have that kind of a match. Uh. <laughs> well, that was the theory, too, like, talking to Tommy after the fact, was that, that they didn't know if that could ever be topped. Like, I, I don't know what Fonzie and I would have done other than, like, he could have put me through a table wouldn't have as much impact as that match. Yeah. Was, they were just awesome in that, so. Absolutely. Uh, fast forwarding now, January 13th, 2001, Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Um were you there at yeah. the final show? Oh, How yeah. were you feeling about everything at that stage? I know things were still up in the air. You, you, you weren't really, some people weren't really sure what was going on, but tell me what your memories yeah. of that day. No, I knew it was done. I mean, I was a promoter. I knew we had no more shows on the books. I think there was um, <clears throat> a lot of theories that we would get more money needed to come in and all these, you know, different ways of looking at it. But I kind of knew it was over. Um, that show in particular, that weekend, the night before was in Poplar Bluff. And um, the night you just said Pine Bluff. We also had some people on the shows that were just like local talent that had gotten booked for, because we needed all the boys showed up at this point. Yeah, yeah. So we're doing this big like ECW send off in the center of the ring. And there's a bunch of guys who had never been part of our company. <laughs> and all of it felt really strange. So I actually didn't partake, but I think, I mean, look, it's surreal. I think a lot of guys knew they had jobs after the fact and we're going to have something work out. I think there was a lot of blind faith that ECW would, would continue. Um, and until Paul debuted on Monday night raw, um, I guess it was a month later or two months later, whenever it was, um, we, we had hoped that we would be back and, until that moment happened. And then wow. we knew, but I kind of knew anyway. I just didn't see it. You just don't stop a brand, get off TV, and yeah, take a couple months off and hope everything works out. Fucking so, hell, it was a weird this, night. Weird night for sure. It's just fuck. It's just like a weird couple of months. ECW, then like two months later, WCW. Who would have thought yeah. that that would have happened one after another? Um, oh yeah. yeah. So uh, 
you, you find out ECW's gone. Um, how did you cope knowing ECW was gone? Your creative outlet that you had now is no longer there. What was your first thing that you did? You know, what was your plan for the future? Obviously, you're still working with the, were you still working with the radio station? No, no, I, I stopped working there because I was full-time with ECW because I was doing the promoting work. Um, no, you know, I, I remember I got home that weekend and I, literally reminded me of the day I graduated from college, which was like, what, what am I going to do now? Mm. And I was, it was that moment again, this time, like six, seven years later. And I just took a hard look at life and I, I took six months and did nothing. Um, I did indie shows like crazy because all the ECW talent was, we were getting booked, like we we're making more money there. Um, but I also just wasn't up for it anymore. And that's just the, the truth. I mean, I think it was like, when you get beaten and you have to do all this travel and you have to do all these things for me, I was believing in the, in the greater cause of ECW and my lifestyle as a promoter and doing those types of things. Um, and with those people. And that's the thing, like there's guys who definitely tried to rip off, rip off and do like the extreme shows and all this kind of stuff, but it may be the same kind of guys in the locker room for the most part, but it's not those, you know, your people, it's not Tommy and the guys you're tight with and stuff like that. So you know, I took some time off and uh, I realized like, I'm just going to try to push this marketing thing a little further. Um, and that's when I, I start from, you know, I cut my hair <laughs> grew up a little bit and, uh, and I went back and into the, uh, into the, uh, entertainment industry, obviously in a different, different mindset completely, but the hell of a lot of experience I never thought I'd have. Absolutely, bro. That's cool. Um, so we are getting to kind of the tail end here. There are a few more questions. One thing that I want to ask, there was a company called MECW. Were you involved in that company? And uh, what happened with it? You weren't involved? Not that I remember. Do you? I don't Which know. Company? Where, <laughs> a main, main event championship wrestling or something like that. No. Um, where were they based out of? Couldn't tell you right now. I don't know. Maybe that question wasn't even. I, I'm aware of who who the company. I'm. I've heard of it. Maybe I work like in. Because I think it was. Uh, it was. A, it was a company that had some ex WCW and ECW guys, and it ran a few shows. Oh, that yeah, 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 yeah. That that was um. By Jason I, Daniel. Sorry. I was look. I'm looking for it right now. Um, I did one show with them. Right. Okay. That, company yeah that was the company that um so they did one show at the ecw arena if i'm remembering this is the right company and their whole thing was also one they use the and i could be wrong here but i, I think this is it todd gordon was involved the original uh, founder of ecw <clears throat> they had 70 percent ecw guys and they brought in some okay. other names and i think they had a money guy who i forget who he was um, I don't know how many shows it did. I just know I did one and it was at the ECW okay. arena where I went to the ring with a guy named the smoke who was a ripoff of the rock. And, uh, <laughs> I, I did a promo, a heel promo and got a lot of heat. So I remember it was really cool. Um, cause I had the first time I had performed in a while and then new Jack right. came out and him with a guitar and I left and got paid, <laughs> but that was, that was the last thing. I don't remember that company uh, other than that one. You really jogged a memory there. Okay, cool. I'm glad that we were able to figure that out on the end there. Uh, yeah. June 12, 2005, um, ECW One Night Stand. Hardcore home, Homecoming was two nights prior. Um, were you uh, 
ever contacted to be a part of One Night Stand. Uh, please yeah. tell me about, you know, what you heard when, when this was, was coming about. Yeah, so I was. And unfortunately, I could not do it because at that point I had a... Um, so I had started working in the uh, in the entertainment business and I was working for um, Comcast Spectacore. I was promoting shows at one of their, their arena in Philadelphia, working with the sports team. They transferred me to Colorado to open a building there, like grand opening, your show, marketing guy. And uh, and then Tommy had called me about that. And he said, listen, we're doing this you know thing. Um, Bubba wants you to be part of it. Because Bubba, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, either owns the Dudley name or has something to do with how the Dudley name is used and who's like part of it per se, if I'm not mistaken, and I could be wrong. But anyway, he said, Bubba's okay with it. Um, we want you to come in with your sign guy Dudley again. And it's going to be this, oh. this, and this, and um, going to pay you and you're going to get paid and like all this stuff. But I literally could not do it because it was, um, it was either the day before or the day of um, something that we were doing at the arena the actual like not the ECW or the arena I was managing in Colorado right. and um it just I remember talking to my boss at the time and it was just like well I mean you can do it but like the, the there were so many deadlines and places I had to be the next day for what we were like hosting some shit I won't get into all the details but it was it was my job and what I had to do so um I couldn't do that show um hardcore homecoming the first time I don't believe I heard from anybody um I and frankly I wasn't interested in those anyway yeah. Um, and I know, you know, saying that when you're not part of it anyway is easy, but I really wasn't. It was just kind of like, you know, I kind of had done that already with all these indie shows after the fact. Um, and then I was asked to do the TNA one, uh, but I had just left WWE to work for Cirque and WWE had had me on a retainer. Um, so I couldn't break that because I wanted the retainer money. <laughs> and also, Fair enough. really frankly. Well, also to be really frank, I didn't want to burn that bridge. And I don't know if anybody would have even cared. I never even asked. Um, but WWE is a, you know, if I'm taking Sign Guy Dudley and Louie Dangerously out of it as an entertainment company, it's not somebody I want to burn a bridge with by doing something with TNA. Again, if they even cared. So. Yeah, fair enough, bro. Um, cool. Well, that eliminates my next question about the the other reunion shows. Yeah. Um yeah, I haven't done one. <laughs> Where did you first get your opportunity to work behind the scenes in WWE? Um, they, I was working, so it was, what, 2006. I was working for, still for Comcast, and they had, uh, Tommy initially called me and had told me about what they were going to do with ECW, that they were going to restart the brand. And, then he, right. and Shane, Shane was in charge of it at the time, McMahon, and he said, you know, Shane wants you to be part of it um they actually had an on-camera role for me too which is funny um we never did it and that's fine but uh they wanted me to come in they wanted me to route the shows so all the touring to the older places that we used to go to yep all marketing really just do the same thing um and at that point in my career i thought it'd be cool to work for wwe um so i did it but that's that's kind of how it started um and what I didn't know was that I'd also be doing like agent work and doing um, <clears throat> payouts and book, like all kinds of different things behind the scenes, which I had done in ECW. I just didn't know that was part of this job. So yeah. it was cool. Because, and eventually then you're working raw and SmackDown, you're like doing different things with different people. Um, so yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, man. But then the brand went away <laughs> and then my job was going to go away. 
Um, <clears throat> but they found something else for me to do in the marketing department. So I ended up working there, you know, almost four years. Right. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, about that whole relaunch of ECW, this was the final strike. There were three strikes and I was done with watching WWE, the invasion <laughs> angle, the NWO. And uh, <laughs> when I, I was so excited, cause I was like, Oh man, I really hope that they do all the same towns that they used to do. And they yeah. keep it in that small yeah. atmosphere and they have that same vibe. And then, you know, obviously within a, a few weeks, it was like, okay, it's just going to be like a really tame version. That's, that's really disappointing. Um, what's your perspective yeah. on that there? Because, you know, I know CW was very disappointed uh, because Tommy had said to him, we're going to take off where we were at ECW. We're going to continue our feud now, pretend that nothing ever happened. <laughs> the problem is you had five years between. Yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, look, yeah. I heard Vince Vince saw the ECW arena show you guys did, didn't like how it looked, and that was oh god. That's damn. true. Um it, look, it was uh, uh there's one positive that came out of that. And um and it, and I felt that and I'll get into that positive in a second. It was not what it was supposed to be. It never really was. If you if you saw the first TV taping we did in Trenton. It was not good. Um, the arena show that we did was okay. Um, the one night stands that we did were I thought were really well done. Um, but it just never, it never prospered into what it was supposed to be, which was, I mean, there were so many different theories or ideas, you know, one was to have that brand actually hubbed out of Philadelphia and to have, to have space, office space at the old ECW arena for that to be like a training area, I yeah. guess like they do with NXT now, like there is, so much to that kind of stuff that they were looking at. Shane McMahon was supposed to be in charge of the whole thing. Um, that didn't happen. You know, so it kind of like, it didn't surprise me at that point. It was like, I think a lot of the boys went back to like, just how it was, but you have to realize we're owned and run by a publicly traded company. That's always going to do its best for the business. <clears throat> and they did. And I don't blame them. Um, looking back on it, you know, I think CM Punk had a, like for him, for me, yeah. that was his show. And that was a place for him um, to not prove himself because he already proved himself, but to show his presence on TV um, and what he can do. So to me, that was a really good platform for him, um, which I thought was awesome. You know, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's the only good takeaway I have from ECW. And then we got to hang out for like a couple more weeks together. But <laughs> WWE has a lot of rules that prevent you, you know, I can't travel with the boys because I'm office and shit like that. Oh, <laughs> so God. Just, now you're alienating <laughs> people because you just don't want to tell them that. But yeah, it was tough. Yeah, man. Yeah, it, it does suck how it all went down in the end. I remember watching uh, December to Dismember. I, I actually, me and my friends had actually bought the pay per view and sitting there excited to see what was going to happen. And Oh God, it was, yeah, was as it was going on, we were all like, something's not right here. This isn't, <laughs> this is, this is really bad. What is going on? <laughs> Everything was wrong that day. That was a really weird day too. That was the day Paul left and I don't know. Yeah. Strange. What a nightmare, bro. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, and another positive was Bob Holly versus RVD. That was a great match. Uh, that, that, was, that was a fantastic match. And when we interviewed Bob, he said that was his favorite match of his career. And uh, Really? Yeah, because he, he had That's said awesome. for so long, 
they hadn't done anything with me and I finally got to do this thing with the ECW brand and I got to have this match with Rob and I finally got to do something that meant something and everyone was watching it going, oh, yeah, like Bob Holly's actually really good. Like I completely yes. yeah. yeah. They just weren't doing anything with him. Anyway, uh, quick, that was a quick sidebar there that I thought That's was crazy. Good. But, yeah, no, um, you're right about that. So, again, we're very close to the end, Lou. I'm sorry I've taken up a bit of your time here today. but um, are fine. What was a usual day in your life like when you were director of live events and promotions and booking in June 2006 before becoming director of promotions and event marketing in May 2007? Tell me of a typical day in the life of the WWE office. Um, for me, it was really so – what was the first date you gave me? Uh, June 2006. So when I first started. Um, yeah, it went – for there, it was uh, I was still on I was on the road with ECW. So not only I was booking the towns, so that's making a million phone calls to try to get routing done. Um, you're putting the tour together. It's a lot of work, um, grinding phones. And what I mean by that is like you would just have a map and you'd be like, all right, SmackDown's here, Raw's here. Um, I have to get the ECW crew to SmackDown because that's where they were doing TV. But I have to stay 300 miles outside of all the other SmackDown towns that are also going there. So it's like a jigsaw puzzle. You look at where SmackDown's going, and then I was trying to get ECW there too from a different angle, but not interfering where Raw was. <laughs> so it was it was a very 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 hard, um, and we were able to call on a bunch of the older buildings that we had done in the past, which was also kind of strange because we owed them money from the original <laughs> ECW. And so they would ask me for that, and I was like, "Yeah, that company's bankrupt." But anyway. Um, <laughs> So I do the bookings. We submit the bookings. Um, we do set, do set up all the appearances, all the PR. Um, but the difference with me was then I would actually go do it also. Like I'd go on those shows because now I'm also doing the, all the building settlements, all the, the payouts for cash and whatever. Whereas other office people would book the shows and then they were off for their, for their day. I was doing everything. It was, a, it was a, like a seven days a week grind for a while until somebody at the WWE office kind of saw it. They're like, wait, when does Lou get off? Like he's going like every second and it was fine. I, I was very tired, but um, eventually the, I got to hire some people on the ECW team that could help, help on some other things. Um, but the way that transcended was, you know, you said like, I guess May, 2007, and it becomes like we were grinding phones to routing shows, making sure the brands represented, doing cross promotions, doing all the media buying, um, working with the promotions team that is primarily, well, all WWE people primarily focused on Raw and SmackDown and getting them to pay attention to this little ECW brand and this little small budget. Um, so you're putting those plans together and whatnot. And what it became a year later was that ECW was done. I was doing the fan access tours um, where, again, I was picking the cities that route to where WrestleMania would end. Um, working with a company to develop what that fan access tour would look like, and then going uh, and executing um, those shows along with all, no, those not shows, but events, doing all the talent appearances, you know, bookings requests. It's, it's a lot. A lot goes into what, you know, what happens when these things come together. Yeah. Um, the day is very, it's a lot. And it's, you're always on, um, which is one thing I like about the entertainment business anyway, it's always going. Uh, and it never stops. And when you have downtime, it's weird to have downtime, you know, because there's always, there's usually something to do. So a day in the life was like that. I mean, sometimes I'd meet with Vince 
um, show him like plans we were working on. Um, that didn't happen until actually ECW was gone, which was good because I didn't want to be in those ECW meetings. Um, it's just shit shows, but yeah. <laughs> Can imagine. Did <laughs> no, Tommy yeah. ever confide in you about how things are going with that? I don't want to keep talking too much about the WWE CW because it's heartbreaking for everybody, but did he ever confide in you about maybe being frustrated with this was what was promised and now it's just been taken. Oh yeah, uh, totally. I'm the one who told him that it was done, which was, you know, I had gotten, uh, somebody tipped me off about it and I forget, forget who, but he was my buddy. And like, we were in Wisconsin, uh, we're doing a show at Racine and I, I just, I don't think I, I don't know if we were texting yet, but was that 2000? Yeah, I guess. Anyway, I said, I need to come talk to you real quick. Um, so I went to his room and I was like, dude, I'm just letting you know, like, this is over soon. Um, they're going to mix the whole thing. And he was the only one I told and he didn't, you know, didn't tell anybody. And I'm, and I told him because I didn't want him to read it on the dirt sheets because I knew how stuff leaked. And I knew as soon as I was told, which was on a phone call with about 15 other people that it was going to go somewhere. And sure enough, like the next morning, it was all over the place. So, um, but yeah, it, it sucked, but he, I mean, a lot of guys, yeah, for a lot of guys, it was bad. Some guys got, you know, jobs, but. Um, yeah. Wow. Um, so uh, before I get out of this little section here, I just want to ask, what was your favorite part of the job? Entertaining people. You know, that was, you know, for, for WWF or ECW or any part of it, the fact the impact you have on consumers is, it's pretty amazing, you know, and I, I always go back, to, I forget who told me this story, but it's like, you know, when you see a sign, and this isn't because I'm so with Sign Guy Dudley, but when you see a sign in the crowd that's directed at you, that means somebody like woke up that morning and was like, I'm going to make a sign that says, I hate you or I love you or, or whatever. The point is, it's like you're affecting people's emotions and how they actually think and go about their day that they take the half an hour, an hour it is to write out a sign, bring it to a show to express something. And I think, you know, having that impact on people is huge. I think the favorite, you know, for in different jobs, it's different things. And ECW is being with the boys and having that kind of brotherhood and then having that effect on the crowd that they literally want to kill you um, The WWF or WWE, where it's, you know, you truly are entertaining people and you're seeing the reactions of, what it means for them to meet people, um, be part of shows that you're you're instrumental in putting together, you know. So I, I think that's, you know, I think it's it's hard to describe, but that's how I see it. Yeah, cool, bro. Um, what did you dislike most about the job working behind the scenes at WWE? Uh, you know, it's hard to navigate. You know, I don't want to use the word politics, but there is a eggshell atmosphere. Um, that you're walking on eggshells a lot that you there's this kind of vibe that you know you're always in trouble um, and this is a you know this is I left in 2010 so I don't know how it is now but I, I did have a lot of anxiety sometimes over situations personally that were just like you don't know what they're saying about you to you because you did xyz and you know I think there and when I was there there wasn't enough of looking out for each other now this is not in every area you know I don't know how every department's run but I do know there's a fear factor um, across areas um, that I don't know brings the best out in people, to be honest. You know, if you're working in that kind of fear, I don't know if you're doing your best job. 
interesting because you're more saying yourself, what does XYZ person want to see versus what's best for the company? Right. Yeah. I know there's a website. I think it's called like Glassdoor or something like that. It's a oh, yeah, website yeah. you can go to to put yeah. up your experience working for a company. And that's one thing I, when I looked at WWE, it was always the, the word eggshells was always like a key word. <laughs> eggshells and red tape <laughs> yeah it's tough it was tough to get things done but you know i still think it's a good experience yeah absolutely man it would have to be um so why did you end up leaving uh, i got Cirque du Soleil recruited me asked me to come work for them in las vegas um it was more of a process than that but that was the end result um and so yeah i, I was and honestly i was ready to go um, I had done four years there and it was for a marketing guy. That's a long time. Um, and I was still living in Philadelphia. So I was working out of Connecticut three days a week. So I was going up there, mm. staying in the hotel, still on the road, had a newborn. and was kind of just like done with it. Um, so sir came along and uh, we went through a whole recruiting process, whatever. But I, that's why I left because I was given another opportunity with a new company. Right, cool. So, um, as far as Cirque du Soleil is concerned, um, you know, tell me what do you enjoy most about being part of such a, a, a very famous brand like theirs? It's literally the same answer. It's 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 putting smiles on people's faces and entertaining them, and we haven't been able to do that in over a year because of COVID. Um, but it does give you time to like look back on you know, things you were a part of and will be part of again as the company relaunches in that, you know, sharing, knowing what you're promoting that's on stage is is giving people these memories is, is pretty awesome. And because it's such a sustained brand, it's not like, you know, flash in the pan, you know, yeah. it, it, that's pretty awesome. You know, there's a lot of brands that are just one-off brands, whatever, and this is not one of them. So I think that, uh, that's pretty amazing. It's been a pretty humbling experience. I mean, I've been there 11 years, so it's, uh, it's quite, it's quite some time. <laughs> Definitely, bro. And uh, I've yeah. never been able to have the chance to see a Cirque du Soleil show, but, um, hopefully when all this is over, I'll finally get the chance because it's want well, to come to where you're happens. at. So you have to let me know, but yeah, no, it's a worldwide brand that somehow got through this pandemic with a lot of good people looking out for it. Cool, bro. Um, so before we get to the final part here, uh, one thing I, I I said to Chubby, and he's not even Chubby anymore, so he's kind of ruined it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, one thing I thought would be a great idea, and I don't know if it's been brought up before to any of you guys that are part of the Dudley family, but I know that you know when COVID's over, Starcast will come back at some point. Or you know some of these conventions, and I just think it would be such a great idea to do a Dudley family reunion where you get Dudley, Dudley, yeah. everyone, everyone comes, and you have a big panel of guys, and fans can ask questions. You got to have everyone though um, that you possibly can to be a part of it. I just think a Dudley family reunion makes so much sense. I would love it. I hope someone does it. I- I'm so. surprised it hasn't happened yet, to be honest. So is Chubby, and you know, so I'm pitched to him. I pinched, pitched it to Joel. I pitched it to you. Uh, I'm going to keep pitching it every time we get someone who's a part of it. <laughs> no, I, I would be so down for that. That'd be awesome. <laughs> that would be cool. Maybe I'll tweet Conrad Thompson or something like that. Um, Do it. 
uh, before I get to five second frenzy, Lou, uh, is there anything that you want to plug podcasts, other, uh, interviews you've done recently, please, anything that you want to share with the Louie dangerously sign guy Dudley fans? No, look, I mean, it's, it's my Facebook. There's a sign guy Dudley Facebook page that is I'm active on that. I, um, I try to talk with everybody. Like I said, I did a, a live Facebook with my, or Facebook live with my daughter, which was, she keeps asking me to do it again. So I do things like that. <clears throat> um, my wife and I do, um, we foster beagles um, for the Nevada Southern Beagle Rescue. And so I sell things on there that I give money to the Beagle uh, Foundation as well. So that's my, uh, my, my plug. Uh, right now I have five dogs in this house, uh, only which three are ours. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, no, I mean, I'm active on all the social, all the social uh, media handles just under Lou D'Angeli. Yep, cool. And uh, we'll definitely put that in the description of where to find you and and um, cool. plug anything that you're doing in the description on YouTube. But Lou, at this time, it's one of my favorite <clears throat> parts of the show, but also a sad part of the show because I know that my conversation with somebody that I, you know, am a big fan of is coming to an end, but it's called Five Second Frenzy. You have five seconds to answer each question, even if you break the five second rule it's okay you've had chair shots to the head from Bols Mahoney so it's fine <laughs> <laughs> so Lou first question for five second frenzy who was your favorite wrestler Roddy Piper excellent same as Sean Oliver last night oh um, yeah yes uh so the next question is usually a favorite opponent but you never actually had a match but who is someone that was your favorite you know uh enemy to have in the wrestling business uh axel and balls were fun um <laughs> the gangsters were fun the eliminators were fun if i have to have to settle in one though i will say um shit i'm actually trying to think who had the most we had the most fun with um i'll go with dreamer and sandman actually cool bro as, cool. as the dummies we would just laugh the whole time <laughs> <laughs> what's your uh, favorite wrestling match of all time the i quit match between tully blanchard and magnum ta starcade awesome great match great match fucking believable. yeah yeah uh favorite book to kill a mockingbird harper lee very Not nice the answer you expected <laughs> no, we, we get we get a lot of different ones. A lot of a lot of answers are the Bible, but uh, <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, we I've get that. The Bible, I've not either. Um, but uh, yeah, that and uh, I think um, uh, it doesn't matter. But uh, that's a good answer. Uh, favorite TV show? Uh, Sopranos. Oh, bro, love it. Love it. Yeah. I've got a I've got a butter bing shirt and uh I, <laughs> I got to see a couple of the guys do a live um kind of uh spoken word show um guys. Nice. So man, one of my favorite shows That's as cool. well. Uh favorite film. Tough one. Um I'll go with I'll go with Goodfellas. Nice. Okay. There's a lot it. of favorite films though. That's, that's I almost said what genre because there's there's quite a lot, but I, I love Goodfellas. Yeah, me too. Uh favorite musical artist. That's impossible. Um top five would be Guns N' Roses. Yes. Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins, 
um, Zeppelin. There's so many, but let's let's just say, yeah, let, we can go Guns N' Roses as one answer. With a not just because I'm friends with Billy, but I love Smashing Pumpkins, love Nirvana, love the White Stripes, I love uh, Metallica. I, I like a lot of stuff, so that's a tough one. Awesome, bro. That's the but, first time we've had Guns N' Roses on the show, and nice my favorite band. One hundred percent. That's awesome. Uh, favorite food, Lou? Sushi. Nice. <laughs> favorite place to eat on the road? It will Cracker Barrel. <laughs> Man, Sean Oliver said that. I'm trying to think, where did I travel? <laughs> Perkins, Denny's, Cracker Barrel. <laughs> Sean Oliver said that one last night as well. Uh, we also get, um, you know, we get Denny's a lot. We also get um, yeah. Waffle House as well. Uh, oh, that was awesome. I'll change my answer. <laughs> they only, they're only down south, man. If they had one up here, if they had one in Vegas, man, I think it would do gangbuster business. Absolutely, man. Uh, favorite alcoholic? I don't drink anymore. So, uh, but prior to that, I liked, um, what, what's it called? A screwball? It's that peanut butter liquor. Oh, really? That's, yeah. that's an interesting one. No, no, it was great. Um, I also loved red wine and all kinds of stuff, but I retired. So I like a bit of red. So cheers to you. <laughs> Second last one, Lou. Favorite female body part? Face. Very nice. Uh, and the final one, Lou, is your favorite curse word? Fuck. <laughs> it's the number one answer usually. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> well, Lou, I just want to thank you for your time on the show here today. Uh, it means a lot to me. Uh, you know, when I told CW and Billy that I was a massive fan of the new Dangerous Alliance, they were like, okay, so you're one of maybe about three. No. Yeah, I, love <laughs> <laughs> I love what you guys did, man. I love what you guys did. And uh, I was very entertained um, throughout, and I just wanted to say from the most isolated city in the world, Perth, Western Australia, you got a big fan of me right here, my friend. Thank you. Let's take a selfie. That's my new thing is taking pictures. You have to look, you have to look at the camera. Though. I have to look, look at the camera. There you go. Not a selfie. <laughs> yeah, no, a selfie. Yeah, so I can put it on my website and promote it. Look, thanks for having me. Um, this was a fun interview. Um, and I think you hyped yourself up pretty good in your emails and you're like, I'm a boatload of fun. So, um, <laughs> I'm glad you had fun. No, I appreciate the interaction. I appreciate the research you did too. That's evident. So thank you. No, you're very welcome, bro. And again, I just want to thank you for your contributions to the wrestling business. And I, sometimes it can be very thankless, uh, you know, and a lot of people will say you can only count on one hand, the amount of friends that you have in the business, but I would like yeah. to consider myself a friend of you. Thank you. I appreciate it, bud. <laughs> thank you, Lou. And uh, thank you to everyone out there for watching the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WCWA Network. I'm California Imperial alongside my new friend, Lou E. Dangerously, and we will see you next time. Thank you.